You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 234 of Podcateers. The trailers for Marvel's Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Lion King recently dropped, and we discussed several things about them, including what we got out of them and other trailers in this spoiler-rich culture that we live in. And I asked the question, is the Lion King really live action? Tune in to find out. We also talk about the new Beauty and the Beast attraction coming to Tokyo, our Disney Christmas traditions, and an interesting article about how the Disney company is suspending annual passes for product flippers. Remember that if you want to join the conversation, you can connect with us by searching for Podcateers on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can also leave a comment in the blog post for this episode over at podcateers.com slash 234. If you want to leave a comment, just make sure that you try to keep it civil. You know, we want to spark a conversation and not necessarily an argument because arguments don't really get you anywhere, but conversations can change the world. If you have any last minute shopping for yourself or anyone on your list, take a look at some of our t-shirt designs over at podcateers.com slash gear. Maybe you want to get the heartbeat of a Disney fan shirt or the Tink Happy Thoughts shirt or maybe even one of our not so ugly sweater designs. There's several designs to choose from and because it's the holiday season, you can get 15% off your next order with the coupon code NOTUGLY during checkout. The site again to check out is podcateers.com slash gear. If you're like me, I know you're going to be doing some of that shopping on Amazon as well. You can help us out a lot before your next purchase by starting off at podcateers.com slash Amazon. There you'll find a huge button that will take you to Amazon's page using our special referral link. And anything that you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon for mentioning them on this podcast. To everyone taking a few extra seconds to help us out, thank you very much for that support. And finally, a huge shout out as always to the FGP squad for their help in making these episodes possible via their contributions on Patreon. For more information on how you can become one of our podcast fairy godparents, you can head over to podcateers.com slash FGP. And for as little as $1, you can become part of the FGP squad, maybe even a one-time donation. But for a contribution of at least $5 or more, you will also get the exclusive fairy godparent button as a thank you for your help. And to everyone on the FGP squad, we thank you as always for your support. All right, it is time to jump into the episode. So here we go. This is episode 234 of Podcateers. Live and direct from Anna, Vina, wait, how many cities are we in? Coming to you live from Southern California. <laughs> there it is. That was, yeah. There we go. Better. That's so much easier. Instead of trying to mm-hmm. combine from the OC and LA city names that we're all f- currently residing in, and <laughs> represent. That's right. <laughs> you know, there is a certain uh, happiness that comes with making a design and putting it up on the website and seeing that people actually like it. But there's a different type of happiness that comes along with, as an artist, liking what you produced. And that doesn't happen to me very frequently. And a few days ago, I got my ugly sweater t-shirt. And oh my God, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. The design was amazing. Is it as ugly as you thought? It's, <laughs> it's in parentheses, not so ugly. There you go. <laughs> but I was, I was wearing it yesterday. And I was super happy with how it came out. And... The, the process to create it was fairly tedious 
because I, I told Gavin a little bit about how I created it, but going in and making sure that all of the edges had that like stitched look to it and making sure mm -hmm. that it was a complete, you know, sweater like design was tedious. And so seeing it printed and seeing how it came out in the end, I was super happy. As you should be. So what color did you end up with? I got the blue one. Melissa got the red one and Lynette got the yeah. red one. My brother ordered one too. He got the long sleeve blue one. And nice. after seeing his, I'm almost angry that I didn't get the long sleeve one. Nice. <laughs> well, you can get it in any kind of format you want, right? You can even get it as a hoodie. You can. There's regular mm -hmm. sweaters and there's hoodies. And I mean, if you're listening to this before the end of December and you want your own, uh, to commemorate the launch of this shirt, if you go over to podcasters.com slash gear, you can use the coupon code not ugly and get 15% off your entire purchase. So if you guys are interested, uh, we're very closely reaching the deadlines of receiving some of these for Christmas. But the code isn't just good for the not so ugly sweater tees. It's also good for everything else that we have in the store, including the Podcateers and Team Boat Willie tote bags, and then the the iPhone and Samsung phone covers that we have, which we didn't offer before, but I thought they were pretty cool. I recently yeah. ordered mine, and I'm excited because nice. you know cover. I'm still tripping out that you took a picture in a blue shirt. Oh, trust me, I got several messages about that. <laughs> it wasn't black. Instead of. Instead of people responding with, oh, wow, that's a really cool shirt. Most of the messages I got were, why, you're wearing a blue shirt? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Missed the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, those are up. Pretty happy about those. Like I said, if you guys want to check them out, head over to podcateers.com slash gear. Use the coupon code NOTUGLY to get your own works for everything so if you guys end up purchasing one make sure that you tag us on social media so that we can repost your pics we'd love to see you guys sporting those during the holiday season or sporting any of the other gear that we have in there and you know over the course of the next year we're going to be working on way more designs so i'm pretty excited about what's coming so stay tuned for that and make sure that you sign up for the newsletter uh, because you will be getting exclusive coupon codes throughout the year as well so what would be the last day for them to order the shirt to get it by Christmas? Uh, it's past uh, the day of this episode launch. <laughs> <laughs> so just in time for New Year's. Yeah, just in time there for New Year's. There you go. I mean, so it's the thought that counts. Yeah, I mean, it would. I mean, if you guys are having your holiday party like way after, then you're good. You're set. Or if you plan on <laughs> celebrating you know, later on, then it's all good. Or if you want to bank it for next year, also a good idea. Yeah. Or maybe Christmas is all year round for you. Or Christmas is all year round. <laughs> they also celebrate Christmas in July, don't they? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> we Christmas can bring it in back July. then too. <laughs> You'll be months ahead of time. That's right. You will be. <laughs> so think about it, you know, order that and other designs. You'll be fine. <laughs> so can i just say that it looks like the world is going marvel crazy again Indeed. yeah and gavin doesn't seem to really care because you know he's like <laughs> i don't like marvel <laughs> i just like all the other animated movies but not marvel but i'll watch them because then hazen makes fun of me if i don't watch them 
But he is going to watch the new Spider-Man one, right? Your Are you going to watch the new Spider-Man? It's just uncanny. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm watching Into the Spider-Verse for sure. Because it's animated. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I feel like superheroes make more sense when they're animated. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I agree. It's Everybody's flipping out over Marvel again. And I did watch all those new trailers for Captain Marvel and for uh, Avengers 4. Four is it? Yeah. Endgame is that four? Which is unlike you. Endgame. Dun dun dun. Well, I had to prepare for the episode, didn't I? You did. And I'm proud of you. Here I am, prepared, (laughs) uh, ready to go. And I got to tell you, they were pretty exciting trailers. Yeah. Even though in Avengers four, I had no idea what was going on because I still haven't seen Civil War or the next one. Yeah. Infinity War. You know, trailers, <laughs> they have this weird place in pop culture now because so many people are obsessed with spoilers that they spend their time harvesting all these clues and these fan theories that by the time you get to the trailer, you feel like, wait, I already know all of this. Show me something mm-hmm. else. And in some cases, you know so much that it ruins the movie. So you have to tread really lightly now as far as what you read, who you can trust to not, you know, ruin something for you like this. But, I mean, the interest is there, right? Because Bob Iger tweeted out earlier this week that the Avengers Endgame trailer set a new movie trailer record, and it had 289 million views in 24 hours, which surpassed the Avengers Infinity War total, which was at 236 million, and the Lion King's trailer, which was at 224.6 million in the same time period. So, I I mean, the Marvel (laughs) fandom is strong. Oh, sure. It's probably the biggest thing going in the movie universe right now. Like, I feel like because of the, you know, the last year of quote unquote backlash for Star Wars from its fandom, I feel like Marvel is now like the kingpin in the room. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that they're kind of standing on top of the mountain. And I feel like Endgame is poised to probably break all the records. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Man, that trailer just left me with more questions. Yeah, because it really didn't answer much. <laughs> right. And you see these little things and you're like, man, like what, what, who, who, what? Like you just, yeah. yeah. It does make a little more <laughs> sense, Gavin, if you watch uh, Infinity War and Ant-Man oh, versus I'm the sure. Wasp and stuff. Because especially their end sequences, you know, tip into the trailers now. So, I mean, if you want to borrow them, buddy, let me know and I will take you the Blu-ray so you can watch them. But I'll think about it. They're worth watching, man. (laughs) At least it's not a no. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It wasn't a hard no. I'll I'll get around to it eventually, I'm sure. I, I, you know, when it comes down to it, though, the ones that I like the best are the solo movies. I don't like the team up movies nearly as much as the solo movies. I don't know why that is exactly, but, you know, that's a big reason why I haven't watched a lot of them. Um, So like I was actually more interested in Captain Marvel, that trailer than uh, the Avengers movie. Uh, Mm. I didn't know anything about Captain Marvel, but that trailer, I think that trailer is well constructed to uh, really entice somebody who is just looking for a good movie to watch. Uh, It does Mm -hmm. look really entertaining. looks like there's an element of mystery Tons of action and adventure, and 
kind of a new type of superhero that we haven't seen recently. You know, I feel like it's she's very different than anything else I can think of, at least in the Marvel universe for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, certainly. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I had no idea, and I watched the trailer and was kind of impressed. So I like origin stories, so I, I'll probably watch that one. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. If you think that you like the single ones more because they give you some more context, because they're primarily origin stories, yeah. with the exception of the best Thor, which was Ragnarok. Sure, and and that's true. I, I do like that the the most, and that's why I usually – just kind of stop after the first one <laughs> because <laughs> I, I know the backstory and that's what I'm interested in. And continuing adventures is not really my, you know, what I love. Hmm. Uh, I've been on record telling how much I like sequels. So I think that kind of plays into it for me. Like, you know, just give me the story of how they came to be awesome. Now I know how they're awesome. Uh, this, I'm is good. The story. <laughs> this is how, so. this is the story of how they became awesome as a group. That's the way they all became the Avengers Bunch. Avengers Bunch. Avengers Bunch. <laughs> I think the last one was the story about how they all got their butts kicked, wasn't it? Um, well, I mean, it wasn't to be continued. You know, that hasn't fully been realized. You need to see it to be able to say something. All right. All so right. it's it's kind of like a blip in the story. It's like, oh, no, somebody tore out these other sheets. Let's go find them. <laughs> So All it'll right. be fine. By the end of this next one, I mean, I we'll we'll get the rest of the story, and you might okay. be happy. I know I'm gonna be sad. For and that's sure. gonna be basically the end in the MCU anyway. That's gonna be the end of the original Avengers, right? Aren't they just gonna start bringing in? like all new characters after that i assume so it has to be the best way for them to really start plugging the next generation of Mm -hmm. what's going to become the mcu over the next decade right so that's why i'm saying that i know for certain i'm gonna be super sad because i i pretty i i have very strong feelings about what's going to happen in this next one so like melissa i'm gonna have to walk in with a box of tissues uh, yeah yeah that's uh, a given that's for me so <laughs> oh, man. you know since we're speaking of trailers we mentioned it just a moment ago with bob Iger's tweet the lion king trailer i don't think we've had a chance to talk about it on the podcast since it launched first impressions mm-hmm. of it made me want to watch disney's the lion king oh my god that's from that, 1994 yeah. that's it just oh my god <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I'm still mystified. I don't get the point. I just don't. I mean, it's, and it's such a shot for shot thing. Mm-hmm. Like what? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. But they trained it. all these animals to act. <laughs> it's like if somebody wanted to go out and, and reshoot <laughs> Citizen Kane in color and do it line for line, shot for shot. I'm for it. Who would care? <laughs> like, really? Like, I, I'm just mystified. I'm going to see it opening day. I know I am, but I just don't get it. <laughs> Here's my biggest beef with this, okay? Uh-huh. Calling this a live-action movie is such a misnomer because everything is CG. There is nothing live-action yep. about it except I for agree. the fact that there are live people playing these parts, which happened in the original animated version as well. So why is everybody calling this a live-action Lion King when they should be calling it a CG Lion King? 
It's almost like they're that's, trying to sell one. their level of technology as being so good that you can just go ahead and consider it live action. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> no. I, I think that's kind of what they're going for. I also feel like a lot of the scenes are like the scenery is shot live and they're just superimposing CG animals mm. into them. Uh, but I agree. I mean, I didn't feel like you could call Jungle Book live action either. There was one live action element, and that was the kid. Right. But see, you that know? one I'm willing to give more of a pass to because of the kid playing Mowgli. So for that reason yeah. alone, I'm okay with calling that one live action. This one, literally, everything is animated. Yep. So maybe I live action know. nature? Nature action <laughs> movie? <laughs> I I let them call it what they're going to call it. I don't I don't really care. I just feel like they're they're trying to sell it that way because they think it's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, to it be is. fair, it is pretty awesome looking. I mean, yeah. Oh, no. But it's gorgeous. I wish they would give us a new original story set in the African savanna. Like you know? the like, Elephant King. I I feel like the Disney company as a whole including marvel and pixar and all of it they're so obsessed and so the the output is so overwhelmingly sequelized right now and or remakes that i just feel like there's a huge lack of that originality and the originality and creativity of this company is what made them so great you know every time they would bring us something it would be something new and different you know Little Mermaid to Beauty and the Beast to Aladdin to Lion King. I mean, holy crap. Those movies were just blowing people's minds at every step. Mm -hmm. And now it's just sequels and remakes. That's all they do, it seems like. You know, it seems like forever ago since Coco came out. And we don't even know when we're going to get another original animated movie. So it's it's just this weird time where they're just cashing in on old glories. And that seems to be the only thing that they're doing. And it's it's a little disheartening. I'm like I said, I'm going to go see that movie day one. Lion King, the original, is the movie I saw more than any other movie in the theater. I saw it a total of 18 times. And at the one theater? Of my, at the it, theater. It's one of my very whoa. favorite movies of all time. Back when tickets were only three dollars. Well, some <laughs> of them I saw it twice when yeah. it was released several years ago in 3D. Um, wow. but yeah, I, I saw it about 16 times originally. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about that movie and that period of animation. And, you know, so I'll see this movie. I, I'm a huge fan of the, the songs, um, you know, by Elton John and Tim Rice. I love the story. I love the setting. I'm going to go see it. I just don't feel like there was ever a need for it, yeah. you know? Because what they created originally was perfect. I mean, it's a masterpiece. Whether or not it's your favorite Renaissance film, it's one of the greatest things they ever created. You know, and I, it's it's crazy to me, crazy to me. But I had a thought, and this this kind of transitions into something we're going to talk about later. So, like all these remakes they're doing, also seem to be coinciding with park attractions, like mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. Can we be getting an Aladdin and a Lion King attraction coming to the parks? Because we know that so many things they're doing in the parks now are IP driven. They're putting a lot of money into these movies, trying to 
reinvigorate these old titles, maybe it means we're going to be getting some new park attractions. And that makes me really excited. Yeah. So if, if these live action films are just going to give me a new ride, then I'm all for them. So let me pose a question to all of you. The music from The Lion King is so iconic that we all know the songs, and even if you don't know them word for word, you recognize them. And in live-action films or CG films, they don't seem to translate very well. Do you think a lot of that music will translate into this new version, or do you think they're going to exclude it? Because the tie-in with Cinderella's live-action, we didn't get a lot of that. And that was, I think, one of the biggest parts that made the Cinderella movie not feel like Cinderella. And in Beauty and the Beast, they tried, and they even added a couple new songs. And I, I feel like it worked a little bit more. It still had a little bit of the nostalgia of the original Beauty and the Beast that we, you know, that we fell in love with watching the animated version for the first time. This one, the music is so much a part of what the movie represents that I almost feel like if the music isn't a part of it, it's not going to feel like the Lion King. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, you know, I I feel like Cinderella is kind of a different case. I don't think it's the same type of remake as Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Lion King is going to be because they're really almost shot for shot. They're trying to recreate those animated movies. Cinderella, first of all, was never what I would consider a musical. It had some songs in it, but you know, the, the live action remake didn't really kind of go down the same road that the animated film did. It had hit a couple of the same notes, but but not really. Beauty and the Beast was a recreation of the animated movie, which is a musical. And so they, you know, they had to do those songs if they were going to make it that much of a complete remake. And I think Lion King will be the same way. But I agree that there's a huge question mark there because... They tried to shoehorn in some of the musicality of the Jungle Book, but because they had taken a slightly darker turn with that film, um, which was actually more in keeping with the original idea that they were animating back in the 60s before Walt changed it to a jazz cartoon. And, you know, so it didn't work. You know, when King Louis starts to sing, I want to be like you, (laughs) it was maybe they meant it to be creepy and weird. And if they did, they succeeded. Um, But yeah, so that for me leaves a big question mark about how they're going to pull off a lot of these songs. Like, I can't picture the I can't wait to be king sequence with what I've seen so far, you know, because that scene gets really stylized and, you know, hyper cartoony and lots of, you know, caricaturized animals dancing around and creating a giant tower of animals at one point and you know that is going to be really weird if we're going for this hyper realistic look so i'm fascinated to see how they pull that off um but i i agree that it has to have the music for it to be a success i see the soundtrack coming out in it i don't see certain songs like um be prepared is the soundtrack already out i don't know oh but i don't think we're gonna hear that kind of a song I would love to hear like a little jingle to it, like what they did with Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Wow. (laughs) Jungle Book. I would like to hear that, like little things like that, like little nods to the original. That would be pretty cool. But I'm prepared to see this movie without certain songs Hmm. being done. You're prepared? Oh, 
get it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think that Childish Camp or Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, is going to be remaking some of the songs? Do you think they'll give them I that type that. of opportunity? I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. It would put a really good twist and an update to a lot of that music. But then again, right. it just it wouldn't feel Lion King, right? It would feel like its yeah. own thing. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. If it's a remix of it, yeah. so it still, still has the feelings, but just like a different delivery. Yeah. Just kind of, of like what Melissa was saying. Like it has the, the jingle to it. Still has the backbone of the Lion King songs, but... Like how something about, new. How would have Kem, Kendrick Lamar came out with a a song for Scar? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Hans Zimmer doing the music? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know who's doing the score. I didn't look at that. But, uh, you know, Beyonce's in the cast, too. So I could see her having a pop single on the soundtrack as well. Maybe a little oh, uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight remake or something. Maybe they could do a duet. Childish Gambino and Beyonce. Mm. There you go. I don't know. She's, yeah. she's kind of out of his league, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, just status-wise, you know. Status-wise, yes. So I just looked it up, AJ, and Hans Zimmer is making the score for this one. Nice. Yeah. I think, nice. I think we're in good hands. But the score. I, I'm hoping. But scores and soundtracks I have my are faith two in different him. things, right? Because the score just underlays with the... With the dialogue true. and it's in the film to right. give you the ambiance and soundtrack is all this the the songs that actually have lyrics to them yeah the elton john tim rice songs yeah and usually they release those separate because i know i have several versions where i have the score for a film and then i have a soundtrack for the film yeah the uh, original soundtrack for the lion king it was all one soundtrack hans zimmer did the original as well so i think it's going to be um, very much in keeping musically with the original because they're crediting all three of those people already. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it, they're going to go for all the music. All of it. All the music. All of it. It's going to mm. be weird. And we're going to have I don't a know bumpy if they're, ride. they're really going to do that. I don't think they're going to do all the music. I, I think they're, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot if they don't. Hmm. Well, it leads me to my final question regarding this topic. And remember how George Lucas, when the technology got better, he started going back to remake Star Wars films? Yes, I do. Do you think that this is kind of the producer's way of saying, this is what I would have wanted this film to be from the beginning, but all we had was animation? Or do you think no. it's just them trying to cash out, like you said earlier, yeah. on the fact it's... that maybe they have these rides coming or, you know, these shows, whatever the case is, and they're just trying to figure out a way to promote them? It's a it's a proven commodity. They're, they're minimizing risk. They know that, you know, based on the live action films they've put out in the last few years that are remakes, they're, they're going to make money hand over fist. You know, those Renaissance films are so beloved that you know they're still creating new merchandise to put out uh today in the parks and yeah. in the disney stores and they know that they can re-release those films every year and they'll be bestsellers and i mean it's just yeah i think it's smart it's smart business it's really really smart business you know it's not the most creative thing in the world but it's smart and 
I think they know that and they're going to cash in on that until the bubble bursts, which I don't know if it ever will, but they will. And, you know, because animation is a very expensive way to make film. It's the most expensive way to make a film. And, you know, there's never a guarantee. And, you know, you don't want a black cauldron on your hands. Yeah. You know, the movie yeah. that was beat by the Care Bears movie. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's the Care Bears, dude. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg? What do you think he's thinking <laughs> with all these? I don't know. I don't know what he thinks about remakes and sequels. But, I mean, he was all about the dollar bills. So, I mean, I think he'd be fine with it. I yeah. think he <laughs> wishes he was cashing in on it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jeffrey Katzenberg was the head of the animation studio, uh, mostly during the Michael Eisner years. And, uh, you know, he was in charge of the studio during the Renaissance era, basically. Um, you know, he is was very crucial in the way that Beauty and the Beast got made in particular. And that kind of set the tone for many of the films that followed. You know, he is the one that you know, brought in all the Broadway talent and really pushed it as, you know, this kind of high-end musical almost. And in many ways, that kind of set the course for the next many years of films that we all know was hugely successful. So, you know, he was a, a very big driving force in those days in the studio, but, you know, he was just a studio head. He was not a creative. And so he was kind of a, a tough... You know, he ruled with an iron fist and kind of drove the studio, you know, very pointedly uh, in the direction he wanted it to be. Uh, later on, uh, after he left Disney, went on to form DreamWorks with Steven mm -hmm. Spielberg and, you know, headed up Prince of Egypt and Road to El Dorado. And his track record of success is unquestionable. Um, but he was very much a businessman about, you know, making the most that could possibly made off of this filmmaking uh, format so you know the lion I'll, king was his last movie that he worked on right i believe that's correct yeah yeah, oh. yeah. so I, I mean i believe with you know his history that we know i think yeah i think he'd be all on board with this current trend and playing him in our port disney movie will be fozzy bear <laughs> <laughs> waka waka <laughs> It's the opposite of Jerry Katzenberger. <laughs> That's I why it, it makes it so wonderful. <laughs> uh, who would who would play him for real though? Like Sam the Eagle? Like who oh. would it be? Oh, and the Muppets. <sighs> Sam would be the most serious to really yeah. pull him off because every one of them has such a either too kind of a side or too wild funny of a side. Mm -hmm. Like I could never picture him at, like. As like Gonzo playing him, right? Right. right. <laughs> maybe maybe Scooter. Right. Oh, yeah, maybe. maybe. I know. But if he Scooter's needed someone more of a like pushover. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So Sam would be pretty <laughs> good. You just have to give Sam glasses. I mean, the honestly, <laughs> honestly, the pushiest one in the show is Miss Piggy. So maybe. Oh, that would be a good one. She <laughs> and she rules with an iron fist, right? <laughs> she does. <laughs> mm, she does. Good call. Good call. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, we do want to talk about this attraction that's coming up in, in Tokyo, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast is going to be getting a new attraction, and video was released by Imagineering over in Tokyo, 
And I have to say that the animatronics look absolutely gorgeous. I think they really stepped it up from some of the new techniques and technology that they developed when they made the Frozen attraction uh, over at Epcot. I mean, what do you guys, I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And when are your plane tickets? <laughs> right? Give us a couple of years. <laughs> well, ours is but next man, year. <laughs> Philippe looks amazing. Right? You know, Belle looks great, of course, but an animal to look realistic, it's just, it looks, yeah, I'm mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks crazy. I think we're one step away from animatronics beating meet and greet characters Ooh. instead wow. of, uh, face characters yeah because that bell you're like that's bell yeah that's, yeah that's bell <laughs> right she moves so lifelike yeah the way she, oh she's like graceful you're like what yeah. is going on <laughs> she's not doing the robot at all <laughs> yeah I th- there's a couple of things that i feel that over the course of the next like five years they're really going to master like just getting things like blinking to look a little bit more natural because there's one transition mm-hmm. in the video that they're showing where like the blink happens way too slow and like you pick up on, you know, it, it's not human like to do something. That was like a that. sigh. That wasn't a blink. It was a sigh. Oh. <laughs> so I think once they begin to master some of that and making the eyes look squishy, going back to our Abraham Lincoln conversation <laughs> from mm-hmm. some time ago, uh, I think they're nailing it. You know, I think yeah. you're right. If they could get to the point where animatronics would be doing meet and greets, that that's like Disney the next generation. They already have similar technology with Roz and with Crush. You know, they could mm-hmm. really pull this off. I mean, it used to, they used to have something similar at Walt Disney World with uh, the meet and greet with Mickey, you know, because yeah. he would talk to you and everything. I'm like... You don't even need the actor or friends with Mickey to be mm-hmm. there. I'm saying in 2021, we're going to have animation uh, characters, just animatronics, meet and greets. Yeah. And Ooh, the sky's yeah. the Bold limit prediction. on who could be it. I mean, gosh, I always want to bring out villains. So imagine like Chernabog. Oh, Dang. man. As no. realistic? I don't. That would be, be scary. kids running out of the park. I would love it. That'd be at Hong Kong for the Halloween party. There you go. Yeah. So be right insane. before Melissa said, imagine Chernabog, I was going to say, you know, and with AI, what it is today and how much better it's getting and how intelligent artificial intelligence like applications are, <laughs> they can just talk to you without you having to reprogram them. And then I thought, the villains are taking over the park. they're gonna develop a mind of their own so when they listen back to this podcast i kneel down to my villain overlords (laughs) (laughs) amazing so do you think it's gonna be well it seems like it's gonna be a trackless system right yeah it looks like like hong kong like tokyo and hong kong like uh, mystic manor and Mm -hmm. winnie the pooh attraction like the ratatouille ride as well ratatouille yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It holds a lot of people, too. I think I saw yeah. that there was going to be eight seats in each one of those teacups. Yeah. yeah that, that was interesting, too. I didn't think they were going to be that high capacity. But if you think about it, because of the way that they need to be trackless, you know, there has to be a lot more space between the vehicles, usually, especially if they're moving in random patterns like that one scene where it looks like they're kind of dancing through the ballroom Mm -hmm. yeah uh there just needs to be a lot more space than you know a typical omni omni mover like haunted mansion where they're kind of butted up against each other 
So, yeah, I feel like that's why those cups had to be so big and hold so many people in them. It was just really to maintain the ride capacity numbers. Yeah. I like the point of what you're talking about space because I thought about um, Ellen's energy adventure and how big that showroom is. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's going to be somewhat like that to have like all the scenes and for them, the vehicles to just move around. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's really what Disney needs, right? Because one of the biggest problems that we have are lines in all of the parks. And so whenever you can have an attraction that's high capacity per hour, that's what that's why attractions like It's a Small World and Pirates can churn so many people through because you sit a lot of people in each of the vehicles. Or when an attraction is as high paced as, you know, roller coasters, you really get the most out of your capacity. You know, pirates, I think their average capacity per hour when it's fully functioning is just about 3,100 people per hour. You know, so imagine how many people you can churn through by the end of the day. Some of the smaller attractions don't get as many uh, as that. Like you, you think of like Jumpin' Jellyfish or some of the smaller like kids rides, they churn out about 200 people per hour. And so that's not what Disney wants. They want to be able to get as many people out of the lines into these attractions or into restaurants, right? That's that's really what it's mm-hmm. all about. So the fact that it seats that many, it's a good move for them. But they the yeah. ride vehicles do seem a lot bigger. And I think it's going to be fantastic just seeing them all dance around together with that many people. It's going to feel like this weird overblown version of Mad Tea Party when they're all dancing around and all spinning <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, kind of like uh, Rollick and Roadsters as yeah. well, but yeah. on like a Indiana Jones ride vehicle scale. Like it's yeah, it's, it's crazy. They're kind of you know merging a lot of technologies and then taking them to the next level as well. The other thing that I was super impressed by is it looks really expansive and thorough when it comes to telling the story. You know, I with the Radiator Springs Racers attraction, I feel like that you know took its time and used a huge scope in order to kind of run you through the entirety of, you know, the main story. Little Mermaid, on the other hand, I feel like it's just kind of, it just skips around to the highlights of the story, right? Yeah. And you just kind of get a couple scenes that are important, and then, you know, it's pretty much done. This looks like it's just got scene after scene, and you travel some real ground, you know, based on all the scenes that are just in this little kind of teaser video. And, you know, some of the exterior shots, it looks like a massive attraction. And that is really cool, I think. When you watch the video, just like you were saying, Gavin, like when you go on um, the Adventures of Little Mermaid, where it's just like the highlights, it doesn't. I like how um, the Frozen attraction at Epcot, it's not following a storyline because you already know the story. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like after the story. And I'm wondering if Beauty and the Beast is going to be like after we know, you know, the story that we know. And then because it looks like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, Belle is in like her winter attire. Her winter outfit. Yeah. So you have that and then the ballroom scene. And I don't know. I'm just wondering if it's going to be the story or if it's going to be an after the story kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, it seemed like it's going to be a retelling of the story. I could be totally wrong. I just thought it was going to be, you know, the well, story of Beauty and the Beast. Well, that's why I was wondering why she's in her winter attire. Is she in? Does she have that in the movie? Well, there's the there's the scene where 
the song there's something there that wasn't there before where they're in the snow yeah. feeding the birds and she's wearing oh, yeah. winter clothes there i don't know if it's the same outfit is that but the same outfit this one yeah and there they're not you know running anywhere they're just kind of true flirting in the snow yeah <laughs> <laughs> First flirting dance. In the, snow. the big snowball <laughs> they should hit the whole entire the, teacup with a snowball this one seems like it's right when um philippe runs away and she's going through the woods trying to find her way through and she ends up at the beast castle at least from the animatronic that i saw because she's holding the lantern and really mm-hmm. i think that's the only time in the film that you see her like that Hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to oh, tell okay. exactly where the story starts and ends with what we've seen. But I agree with AJ. It does seem to me like it's more of a retelling of the main story. And I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen the Frozen attraction in person, uh, but I get what you're saying, VJ. Sometimes it's better just to kind of revisit the characters, you know, instead of having to try and build a whole story in an attraction and it depends on right. your space. And, uh, you know, I would, I would agree. Like if I were to redo, let's say the Pinocchio attraction, which I've got a thousand and one ideas for, uh, maybe you just do a pleasure Island attraction, you know, where it's kind of zany and fun. You know, you don't try and go through the whole up and down of that movie, which is an epic adventure, right. you know? So I, I think it just depends on, on, you know, what the property is. I think with Beauty and the Beast, it's such a you know classic tale, as old as time, you might say, <laughs> uh, that he, it makes sense to tell the story, you know. Yeah, I think. Did you see at the end where it looked like uh, Belle was dancing with the prince mm-hmm. rather than the beast, yeah. or was is it going to be the? What do you think it's going to? Is it what would be, the be beast cool or is the if prince? it's a scene like that pirate revelation yes. in the Shanghai Pirates where it's beast and then all of a sudden it transforms into the prince. <laughs> that would be weird. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've that but I feel like it's just going to gonna be an epilogue really kind of scene. Who knows? I mean, I've, I've been blown was... away by Imagineering so many times. I'm prepared to be blown away by this one, too. Yeah. So 2020, book your tickets now. (laughs) But going back to our conversation, like, I really, really wonder if plans are not already in place to start developing either a Lion King or an Aladdin attraction or both somewhere. Because those have been long needed. Yeah. Long needed. And I think they would be hugely successful. Yeah. I'm sure if we saw news about something like that, it would be in one of the other parks. Like I feel like the other parks are becoming classic Disney, you know, because of the types of mm-hmm. attractions that we're getting. And mm-hmm. here we're getting more of the new stuff. We're getting all of the IP based, like the Star Wars and Marvel stuff. Yeah, there's still dead areas of the park, though, that can be taken over by classics. Very true. All right, well, if you guys have any thoughts on the new Beauty and the Beast attraction that's going to be coming to Tokyo in 2020, join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, speaking of thoughts, uh, I want to read a quick comment was left by listener Adriana regarding our conversation of some of our Disney favorites when we were talking about our movies and stuff that we watch. Mm -hmm. She left the comment that 
I think you guys are going to find favorable. I was like, mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> so it is a Christmas movie. Yay! So, <laughs> so she says in her comment, great episode. I just wanted to share my list. Disney. These are her top three. She says Muppet Christmas Carol is her number one. The Santa Claus, all three because she loves them all. So she kind of has like a 2A, 2B, and a 2C. And then for three, nice. I'll be home for Christmas. So got to have some JTT love. Yeah. For reals? I'm not the yeah, only one? that's her number three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> AJ just watched it for the first time. Nice. What'd you think about it? I feel like I've seen it before. That, that movie's 20 years old now, yeah. by the way. Um, I so feel like highlights. it is a young yeah. adult. Yeah. I feel like I've seen it, but yes, I just re-saw it. Rewatched it again. Cool. Uh, well, her That's honorable funny. mention for Disney was Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Nice. nice. Her non-Disney top three were number one was White Christmas. Two. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. And then three, nice. Jim Carrey's ah. The Grinch or The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Nice. Her honorable mention was Yay. Scrooged. Da, da. And she's saying, I'm looking forward to watching Meet Me in St. Louis. Thanks for the recommendation, Gavin. Oh, and Hazen, I got to agree with everyone else. Nightmare Before Christmas is both a Halloween (laughs) and Christmas movie. Happy podcasting. Yes. Adriana, thank you for leaving that comment on the blog post. Um, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. (laughs) Uh. But we appreciate you uh, leaving the comments. If you guys want to leave any comments on anything that we talk about, like I said, check out the blog post for each episode. You can also join the conversation on any of our social networks. There was something that blew up on social media, speaking of social networks, this last week. And I wanted to briefly touch on it. And, you know, we've complained about this in the past. And that is that when we try to go get a collectible, by the time that we get there, all of a sudden... You stand in this three-hour line, and then there's nothing. And it's always because there's people purchasing massive amounts to resell on eBay. And so we have tried to come up with with these solutions on our side, which, you know, Disney can implement if they want to. I mean, we know that they listen. And one of them was that you scan an annual pass so that every pass that you have, you know, essentially purchase one of these buckets. Uh, This last week, there was a report in the Orange County Register, which spread to several other media outlets. No official word from Disney on this, by the way. I do want to make that clear. This was just something that was written in a couple of, of media stories. But it looks like Disney is revoking people's annual passes when they're purchasing these collectibles and reselling them on sites like eBay. So... Uh, who wants to start on this one? Because I have so many thoughts on this, but I want to hear what you guys have to say before I, I say what I want to say. <laughs> I think it's the best idea ever. <laughs> Just because coming from being a sneakerhead where I had to wait hours and hours at 3 a.m. for a pair of Jordans, the same Jordans that just dropped today, actually, Um and not being able to get it because either people had people in line to buy multiples or it, there's something something always happened. You know what I mean? So it just takes away from being a collector or being somebody that loves that product, you know, and you're waiting. And then for somebody to just take it right in front of like right away from you and then flip it on eBay. 
it just it just bothers me so much and i yeah. hate that hype beast game because people could say like like in the article oh there's personal shoppers or whatever like i think if you're a personal shopper then disney wouldn't take away your pass does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah because if you are a mm-hmm. personal shopper for one thing you and that person that you're the personal shopper for wouldn't be online selling it you know it, there wouldn't be a record for disney to say hey you're a personal shopper i'm taking this away it's only the people that are buying multiple like 10s 20s 30s and then flipping them for you know 300 percent of what the product is and then all the people that stood in line who are actual collectors like lovers of disney like us we get shafted and we yeah, get nothing awesome. you know so i think it's a great thing i applaud disney and I know there's people who are like, oh, I bought it. I could do whatever I want with it. I don't think that, you know, applies to them. They could sell it on OfferUp or whatever. One-off things is not a problem. It's the people that are buying the 10s, the 20s, right. the 30s. Mm-hmm. And then you see laughing and skipping yeah. along Main Street with this big old bag of Funko Pops. And you're like, oh, I guess I stood in line <laughs> for no yeah. reason. Like, I would be mad for yeah. Gavin if he was in that line for that tiki mug and didn't get one. And he was within the first thousand. Well, remember I went you know? for the Ezra Funko and I was like 15 oh, yeah. minutes into the release and there was no more. Like, I think like 15 or 20 minutes yeah. after I got released and they were all gone. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want that happening to any of us. So, I mean, because you take the time to go into the park and get these items. It's not like just going to Target. You have to park at the parking structure. You have to. It takes yeah. like an hour to get into the park when you finally park, unless you take an yeah. Uber. But still, taking that time on your day off, or even if you have the day off, but just taking that time and not being able to get something, that yeah. sucks. So I'm glad Disney's doing something about it. I stand behind Disney a whole hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. It's been frustrating and... I've been in a line for a um, Finalmation when they used to have them at D Street. And I remember having to be in line. And it wasn't that bad. And this was maybe, what, five years ago, maybe. Lately, it's been really, really bad to where I, you know, that Funko. Hazen, I remember you were like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go to Wonderground. And to hear that they were gone, it's like, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? It upsets me even more to see the people with bags i mean on instagram on social media seeing them and some gloat and it's like how can you do that how can you ruin the magic for others who really want these items like you said vj who would treasure them you're making money off i mean you're making much more money off of disney i don't see it's it's not smart it's not smart i mean you're gonna get caught you're gonna get in trouble just why would you do that why would you it just gets Mm -hmm. me upset don't spoil the magic for others so kudos for disney for stepping up and doing what they had to do unfortunately there's consequences to your actions and that's what's happened yeah i'm I'm glad they're starting to address it as well i I don't know if how effective this is going to be and how thorough they can be with this type of methodology but you know, hopefully it at least gets people in a different mindset that, you know, this is kind of uncool. You know, there's there, there's a joy to collecting. And anybody who's been a collector of anything 
has mm-hmm. experienced that joy. And, you know, it can be really fun, you know, to go out and make an effort to get that next piece in your collection. You, you get it and you love it. You cherish it. You're like, yes, my collection's even better and stronger now. And, you know, I'm growing in power and, you know, it, it can be really fun. But I, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I was collecting baseball cards and basketball cards there there came a point you know because every time i would get a new pack of cards it was always exciting to tear it open and see which new six or however many cards were in there you know i got Mm -hmm. but there comes a point when you realize wait i've got 20 bucks and they sell a whole box of cards and i would buy you know trading cards by the box instead of by the pack and at that moment a little bit of the magic goes away because you're kind of cheating the system. You know, it's like, you're not, you know, it's not like you're, you know, going out there and making an effort to collect. You're just buying it in mass and, you know, grabbing things, you know, in large quantities and it takes away from it in some way. And, you know, collecting is kind of an incremental hobby. And the fact that you're actually even just taking away those increments from people by buying in mass of these limited quantity things, it's kind of mean, you know, it's mean spirited Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they do that, it takes away from the people that, you know, really want it and will cherish it. And, you know, it earns them dirty money. I think, you know, it's just, it's tainted for me. And I, and I feel like it's, it's nuts that they've been allowed to kind of get away with it for so long, really. So it is good that they're addressing it. And hopefully this kind of sends a, a little ripple of fear and caution out there to the people that are being blatant about it. And uh, hopefully that'll get them to be more considerate. But I don't know if it comes down to the almighty dollar, I'm sure they're still going to try. Yeah. So I think you guys yeah. all echo the same sentiment you know, that I think a lot of us feel when it comes to collecting stuff like this. And that is that, one, we're happy that Disney is doing something about this because we've all been affected by trying to collect something in the parks or at downtown Disney that we haven't been able to because somebody just buys these in mass. Now, again, I, I do want to reiterate that Disney has not put out an official statement on this. This was a news story that broke because a couple of people caught wind and we don't know... If it was also if their passes were taken away based on other things that they may have been doing in the park, this may have been the reason that they were given because it was the easiest reason to give. With that said, what they reported was that Disney took away their pass and made them continue paying their monthly payments (laughs) while they were suspended for an entire year. If that That turns out to be true. I think that's super heavy-handed on Disney's side. <laughs> that's a gangster move right there. <laughs> I mean, if you can't go, I think that's punishment alone. I mean, but that's the thing. Because they've basically committed to paying for that annual pass. Right. So if somebody paid outright for it and they got theirs revoked, they're not going to give them half their year's money back. Right. Right. You right. know? They're I not going to prorate a, it. It's a commitment. You know, you, They signed a contract. Yeah, you signed it when you signed up to do mm. that so i'm i'm on their side they they're obligated to continue they broke the rules so they can't right. come but they're on the hook for that money they committed mm. to it and makes sense to me i'm pretty sure with people's quote-unquote side hustle they made so much more money they could have bought eight passes 
you know so yeah disney should yeah. charge them get some of that money back that they stole from us you know actual collectors or from everybody else because they're too greedy to sell a 20 dollar popcorn bucket for 80 dollars. Right. you know i'm pretty sure yeah. they didn't feel bad for getting getting all that profit and see so, that's where i felt like the biggest disconnect was because it, it looks like there's this huge disconnect between just a personal shopper a friend doing a favor for a friend and these people buying in mass. So the people buying the dozens of products and selling them totally on board with what you guys are saying, right? I'm, I'm right. totally there with you guys, but some of the personal shoppers, I think one guy reported that he barely made at most like $200 on his best month or something like that, that he figured out that it just wasn't worth it for him to be doing it, but he continued to do it. There are some people who do charge their, quote services mm. that's what gives them a bad name because you know you could go and let's say purchase something um for a family member yeah. who can't make it and it's just one little thing um something really innocent that you're not going to mark yeah. up or anything but it's the others who decide to be the rotten apples that just that kill yeah. it mm -hmm. and it's it's sad I think it really yeah, comes down to what you just said there, either charging for the service or marking up the product. If I'm down there and, you know, one of you guys wants the popcorn bucket and I get it, you Venmo me the money yeah. for it. That's that's not what they're concerned about. Well, we've about, done that right? several times. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it's the people that are profiting off of it. And the real damage, the money stolen is the reputation damage to Disney. You know, because if people, you know, are going there on vacation and they heard about this popcorn bucket and they get there and it's all sold out and they look online and it's just a bunch of vultures selling them for 200 bucks, you know, then everybody looks bad. And so they're just trying to avoid the bad taste in everybody's mouth for the cool. It's it's really cool that I'm not into them, but it's really cool that Disney creates unique popcorn buckets for different lands and they change all the time yeah. you know mm -hmm. like i what other place does that you know everybody else is just cardboard buckets or maybe a plastic bucket that you can reuse but not themed like disney i mean right. freaking tie fighters and cinderella's yeah. carriage and mickey mouse i mean it's crazy the amount of cool novelty they create for simple things like that and for them to put all that work into it and then you know, half of the people have a bad taste in their mouth about it because it was bought up by cheaters to the system. Yeah, I, I get why they want to kind of swoop in and kick all those people yeah. out. I would, too. Uh, and it is one of the big complaints that you see on social media, right? Especially on Twitter. They're, oh, you didn't order enough, Disney. Oh, you only had this many. I couldn't even get one 20 minutes in. And it wasn't that Disney didn't order enough. They always you know, acknowledge about how many they think they're going to sell of this product, but it's these types of people purchasing this amount of, of product that's really ruining the experience like you guys are talking about. So we we don't know personally this personal shopper, but we do know of somebody who goes to Japan, to Tokyo, to buy things, like any merchandise, not limited stuff, and try to flip it on eBay for X amount of dollars. Like she could go and say, hey, you wanted that Mickey backpack, from Tokyo, I'll get that for you and I'll charge a little fee and then send it to you because she has to take her time to go out of there. What do you think about that? Like someone who does that? 
That's a personal shopper. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same yeah. thing. It's it's just it's just so tricky because, especially with the international parks, it kind of makes sense because very few people have the luxury to actually collect, you know, from let's say the Tokyo Disney Resort because they can't mm-hmm. just go over there all the time, and you can't necessarily buy it online all the okay. time. So I'm glad you brought that up. It kind of leads kind of where I think this is all leading towards. And it's the fact that Disney is really trying to put uh, push the Shop Disney site. Shop Disney kind of became a th- like a bigger thing over the last couple of years because it all of a sudden made a lot of merchandise that wasn't available to the public available for them to purchase. So as they begin to expand Shop Disney, I'm sure that they're going to start including some international products that weren't necessarily mm-hmm. available. And so if personal shoppers are cutting into their profits because somebody's buying it maybe with their AP discount and then they're selling it for full price and then they're also getting a small fee on top of that. I think that's where Disney begins to have a problem with something like this. So right. the, the the ones that I think are going to be a bigger issue for, for collectors are the ones that don't appear on Shop Disney where it is like a Wonderground exclusive where you either have to be at Downtown Disney or Disney Springs, you know, to collect these items, especially if they have a limited release of like 2000, you know, or maybe they'll begin mm-hmm. to ration them out where a thousand goes to Wonderground and a thousand goes up on the website, you know, for a worldwide release or something. That might even make it more exciting and more exclusive again, because when these products are made in mass, it doesn't feel exclusive and it doesn't feel special, especially when they make five, ten, twelve thousand of each one. So if they mm-hmm. begin to limit them, it will make these items special. At least to me, that's kind of how I see it. You know, I, yeah. I coll- I've collected mm-hmm. a lot of playing cards, you know, over the last decade. And that's kind of how I feel about them, too, where I would buy a design because it was this cool new exclusive color. And then a year later, they release it in mass and they say, oh, it's just a version two. But to the untrained eye, nobody cares if it's a version one or two. They just care if they got a version of that deck. Right. So mm-hmm. it. It makes it more special to me when you can limit the amount that's going out regardless of the outlet. And I think Disney's really gearing towards getting people to do their shopping for these products on ShopDisney.com. And, I mean, they're a business. It's a bottom line, right? To them, they answer to stockholders and to a board. And regardless of where these rules come from, I think sometimes people forget that Aside from the magic that they're presented, this is a business that's trying to make money and they're answering to this group of people that want them to make more money. Yeah. Okay, so this is awesome because like any of our great conversations that last any length of time, we end up in brainstorming blue sky territory. (laughs) So I'm going to do a little armchair imagineering here real quick. Uh, Imagine a future where all of this comes to fruition where on Shop Disney you can buy merchandise from parks around the world, where they have online limited releases of some of the same things that are in the parks. But in a physical sense, imagine in every downtown Disney iteration around the world, the world of Disney store is expanded and it's actually the world of Disney. So a whole section will be 
Tokyo Disney and a whole section will be Shanghai Disney. Imagine how popular all those cute Tokyo merchandise Disney toys, which are so popular, how successful that would be if it was if there was a huge section of that in our store here. Yeah. You know, I feel like they're kind of missing out on some of the market by limiting some of those things, especially with the popularity of so much Japanese design in toys and merchandise these days. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. And it would be amazing to see just maybe instead of the world of Disney store, it's like the world of Disney mall. And there's just a store (laughs) from every place where Disney exists and merchandise designed for those markets are brought in to little boutique shops within. And man, I think that would be incredible. That I is second a that. Very big store. Yeah. You know, it would also yeah. be great if they somehow integrated the apps that they already have, where you use some kind of GPS location the way that the Play app currently works, where if it knows mm-hmm. that you're on the resort, you can do certain things. And if you're on the resort and you're not like in line to purchase one of these products, but it's a limited release, as long as you're on the resort, purchase it on your app and pick it up on your way out. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Well, Walt Disney World's app is similar to that. I mean, I don't know if you could buy it and pick it up, but you could at least find an item. Like if you're looking for a shirt and the store you're at only has a medium, you could find like a different size somewhere at the resort. Oh, that's cool. Right? And that's only been around for about a year or so, right? A couple of years. I know we used it when we were at Walt Disney World. To find some yeah, stuff. I remember something similar when pins were being uh, looked for. The app would oh, tell yeah, you like, what stores that, currently pins. had those pins available. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that would be awesome because then you're not running around like, well, you know, which which store has it? And then one cast member will tell you the store they think it's at when in reality right. it was at a totally different <laughs> store, you know. So, yeah. And it's their first day. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's over here. <laughs> it's like that store exists in this park. <laughs> <laughs> you never know gavin disney's always listening i mean look they're already selling a lot of etsy inspired t-shirts now there's a little sure. section at world disney with just all the etsy stuff like, oh what was yeah some of the stuff well, we saw yesterday their entire ear game right now is inspired by crafters and etsy makers you know i mean they're trying to catch well, up and the patches with the right? amazing ears that are being made and the patches yeah. now yeah Definitely. Mm-hmm. They're they're definitely watching the creatives out there because there is so much creativity in the world and the fandom of Disney drives so much of that. So, yeah, I mean, I could see all of this happening. And since they're listening, it probably will. Yeah. It seems like there's been a huge shift in their marketing over the last couple of years because their marketing and the products were so linear to, you know, the same types of products, maybe a different, you know, clothing color scheme or a different box. But now how they've been expanding on those products, like you said, it looks like they're really looking outside of what they traditionally sell and are looking into what people Mm -hmm. want to purchase, not what they're being presented to purchase. Right. We live in an a la carte world, man. All right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts on all of this happening, again, I I do want to reiterate that there's no official word from Disney as far as this actually happening. This was just an article that we read and that we found interesting, especially considering that we've had 
problems purchasing some of these collectibles ourselves. But we want to hear what you guys have to say about this. We posted this on our uh, Facebook group, the Podcateers group. If you guys aren't members, make sure that you guys go and become a member. We can have these types of conversations there. You can shoot us a message on Instagram or on Twitter. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. We also posted this uh, in the Facebook group for our friends over at the Die Hard Disney Nuts fan group. I just want to say thank you to everyone in that group for their responses and their reactions. Uh, I do want to say, though, that whenever we post something like this, let's try to keep a civil conversation going. We're not here to, you know, speak ill of anybody. We're not here to, you know, spark up crazy, you know, arguments. We, we just want to have an intelligent conversation about the problem and how we can possibly try to find a solution that maybe we can't implement, but hopefully somebody listening can implement. Because all we want to do is we want to spread the magic and we want to try to keep that magic going on for as many people as possible. So if you guys want to uh, hit us up with some comments or ideas, make sure to leave them in any comment section on those social media accounts or in the blog post for the episode over at podcateers.com slash 234. Before we continue, I just want to remind you guys that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by our fairy godparents. Who are fairy godparents? Well, they like to call themselves the FGP squad, and they are a group of amazing individuals that hook us up with a monthly contribution via Patreon. If you want a little bit more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad, head on over to podcateers.com slash FGP. For as little as $1 a month, you can become part of the FGP squad, but for a contribution of at least $5, you also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. Uh, Some discount codes on new products and exclusive products only available to the FGP squad will become available in 2019, so keep an eye out for that. And to everyone that's already part of the FGP squad, we just want to say thank you for all of your support so christmas in the parks gavin you uh are now on record as saying that it's it's that favorite time of year for you when you only want to have christmas all around in the park all the time like hazen does (laughs) that's a horrible song i can't believe i actually put that out in the world it was not good (laughs) But, uh, you know, we we had this like mini conversation earlier this week about some of the traditions that we either have established uh, when it comes to Christmas and, you know, with Disney and whether it's in the parks or at home. We thought it'd be an interesting conversation to bring onto the podcast and hopefully get some ideas from all of you listening as far as what we can make our own traditions. But let's go roundtable here. Uh, AJ and VJ, let's start with you guys. Do you guys have any Disney traditions either in the park or outside of the park that you implement into your your holidays? <laughs> let's see. Um, eat, eat. And... <laughs> Wait, what was number two again? Eat again. <laughs> oh, eating. Um, I think we always try to see the Christmas time fireworks. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always at least want to see a Christmas fantasy parade at least once. And that hasn't happened this year yet. So hopefully we can make that happen with our schedules. It's kind of hard to plan that one out, but our anniversary is in December. So we go to the Tam O'Shanter and of course every year it's, it's decked out for the holidays and they have carolers. So that's always very Christmassy. And we always sit at Walt's table, yeah. which is nice. 
That's early cool. try How difficult to. Is it, is it to get seated at Walt's table during the holidays? I it's, think if if you make a reservation, you have a better mm. chance. But it's like sitting at the water, at the water's edge at Blue Bayou. You know, it's like you can ask for it and you can wait around and hopefully mm. you can get it, but it's yeah. not guaranteed. Mm. How it. how far in advance have you had to make a a reservation to try to get Walt's table? Day of. Oh, really? Maybe the that's yeah wow. the day before. Impressive. So yeah, that's because a lot of people. T- a lot of people will request it, but the chances of the same, like four people requesting it at the same time, it's not, not that. Uh... Well, how did it work when you proposed? Oh, I said I was going to propose, so they gave so us the they, table. So they guaranteed it? <laughs> yes, they dealt <laughs> with the romantic that day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could just say you're going to propose, and they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll give you the table. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Helpful hilarious. tip. Oh, my god. Like, wow, all these people are proposing. I never see the ring or the proposal. Weird. So really quickly, for any new listeners who may not know, do you guys want to tell everybody what the Tam O'Shanter is and what it has to do with Disney? So the Tam O'Shanter, it's a restaurant in Los Feliz, California. It's near the... Burbank Studios, Animation Studios of Disney, and Walt Disney used to always go to this restaurant because it was close to the studio. It's his favorite restaurant. He had a favorite table, and so now they have a table that says Walt's Table, and there's Imagineer carvings on the table, and it's just really magical, and the food's really great, and it's a great place to go if you love Disney. And it's, really it's, cool. um, cool. it's the home of Laurie's Prime Rib. Mm. So that's where it started. So mm, you'll rib. see the seasonings there. And then um, the cottage or the room where Walt's table is at was also an inspiration for the cottage scene of uh, Snow White. Because if you, really? when you're sitting in it, you're like, wow, this kind of feels like I'm in the movie. So huh. that's where uh, he got the, some of the inspiration for Snow White. Cool. So that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Another tradition, I always have to get turkey pot pie. Oh, yeah. I made that happen last night. turkey pot pie? Pacific Wharf. Mm. It is so good. So good. Sounds good. Is it like a a personal pie or like can two people share it? It's the soup. soup. Oh, it's the soup. I thought it was an actual pie. No, it's a a soup that tastes like the pie, but it's in the bread bowl. It's just the insides. Got it. So, (laughs) but rule or my tip is to... Get the turkey pot pie, but get the soup on the side so you could tear up the bread and dip dip it so you're not left with this soggy bowl that you have to get messy with your hands. And but, t- tell the lovely folks what you have to do with the oh, butter. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because Pacific Wharf um, <laughs> gives you cold, cold, cold butter, um, oh, yeah. take the bowl of uh, soup and put it over the butter. It warms it up, and it's easier to spread mm, on nice. the bread. Does it so, come into little foil wrapped like mm-hmm. yeah. squares? I yep. always just put those in my pockets. Pocket, yeah, yeah. I used to just, too. Just, but if just you be just patient put... for a couple minutes and then whip them out, and they're good to go. <laughs> but then if you forget about it, then you have buttery pants, and nobody likes buttery pants. <laughs> you got a buttered just put wallet. Put under the bowl. Get four of them. Put it on top. Perfect. Probably Thirty smart. seconds. You're cool. Probably smart. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> We're gonna see all these listeners have butter problems. Hashtag butter problems. Hashtag butter problems. <laughs> Just tag us in it. <laughs> I was listening to Podcateers, and then <laughs> Mel, some yeah. of your Christmas traditions. 
Okay. Um. Well, one of them is actually the uh, gingerbread cookie decorating. That's always been fun from when they had it at um, Big Thunder Ranch and Toontown. Mm. We used to take them. We used to decorate them. And that's always been fun. And they're always good because you got candy and M&Ms that mm. left over that you could eat. So totally a win-win. Do they still do that? <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't seen it. I can't think of it right now, but it's the little stand by... Fantasyland Theater, where they have um, oh, Mickey and the Magical Map. Is it Edelweiss Snacks? Edel, no. Edel, no. What, what is that one called? Troubadour? Yes. Yes, that's it. That's where they have the kits now. Okay. So you could do them there. I don't know where in DCA or if they have them there, but I know that they have them there in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. That's always been a fun one. But another one, and I totally forgot until now, and it may sound like, what? It's winter. It's cold. Why would you eat this? But they only have it in December is the peppermint ice cream. Ah, yes. Ooh. And they only have it in December. So, yeah, I will make line for it. I will have one scoop. One? You're going to wait all that time all for one? Might as well go all out and get a, a Sunday. Well, now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, mobile, mobile ordering now at Carnation well, or at now, uh, Gibson Girl. Of course. But back then, they didn't have that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good stuff. Is, is that the only thing you eat, peppermint? Why is that the park? Uh, for December, yeah. For regular, it'll be chocolate, and I'll add, like, a topping on top because um, they don't have Rocky Road, Aww. which breaks my heart, so I have to go to the Ghirardelli's to get that. Get on that. Yeah. Someone at Disney. Oh, <laughs> uh, bum. Rocky Road there. <laughs> you got to go to Ghirardelli. Some of us loves the Rocky Road. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, free chocolates. Very bum. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do they still do that? The yeah, free chocolate? Yeah. Okay, cool. I right now, so. Yeah. So I remember somebody saying they didn't do it. I was like, what? Blasphemy. We would have heard about yeah, it. They still do. They still do the free <laughs> the bread Disney across people. at the bakery, too. Sweet. Oh, that's funny. What about you, Gavin? I know this is your first year with Christmas um, at Disneyland, but do you have any established outside the park or any that you'd like to make a tradition? You know, it's it's interesting because Charlie and I are still working on, you know, building new routines and new traditions, being recent transplants to Southern California. But I will say that we have both really enjoyed the Christmas season much more than either of us really expected. Me, for sure. I mean, it, it has blown me away with, with how fun it is in and around the parks right now. And I know that there are some things that we've experienced that we definitely plan to year after year. And probably um, the top things that, that we've enjoyed um, are the castle lighting that they do twice a night. Uh, it's just a sweet little thing that takes like three or four minutes, but it ends in snow and a, a cheesy song, which like pulls at your heartstrings. And it's just a magical moment. And then also, we really enjoyed the fireworks. You know, you guys know that I haven't seen a lot of the fireworks shows, but we made an effort to see the fireworks because we were there with some friends who really wanted to. And man, oh man, that Christmas fireworks show is spectacular. So we'll probably make an effort to see that each year. And then, um, you know, it's a small world holiday version. It's the best it is the best. So we're we're always going to go on that. And then, you know, I've said it a million times over the last month. We're totally sold on the Festival of Holidays 
and the the sip and save pass or sip and saver pass and all of the different food options and just that whole experience has been so much fun so i mean i think we'll do all of that every year i'm excited to hear about a couple of the things that melissa talked about because i didn't even know there was peppermint ice cream and my favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip so i'm all about mint <laughs> and what <laughs> Not that's aj's favorite uh, it's amazing so i gotta try the peppermint <laughs> and i gotta try the gingerbread cookies that's amazing i didn't know that you could go and decorate your own gingerbread mm-hmm. cookies so we may try that we may uh inject that into our traditions as well we'll see but ours are still forming and uh all i can say is that we've really enjoyed the holiday season we're going to try and go back one or maybe two more times before we're blacked out for those last two weeks so very cool it's been awesome going back to what you were talking about um with small world it's a small world holiday gavin yeah um aj pointed out there's a new part Oh. Or is it a new part? I don't know. Like from asking Hazen and Melissa to us, it looks new. I but think was, I know what you're talking about. It's like the, the new arch. Yeah, the new arch going I've heard into. About it. I haven't seen it. Which one? I is haven't it? either, but I've heard I about it. Didn't take a photo. Is it in the extension that they added when they added the the queue extension? Mm-mm. It's right before Mm-mm. the Pinocchio scene. It's yeah. in the attraction. Oh, it's inside the. It's attraction. inside. Yeah. yeah. It almost oh. looks like a gingerbread. Oh yeah, the archway. gingerbread one. Yeah, it's gingerbread, and you actually get a smell of gingerbread right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that's oh, new this year. Yeah, I, I think it is. It seems it feels new. I, it's got to be. I gotta say, mm-hmm. it's amazing what they do for that overlay, and to me, it feels like they really fill up the ride because mm-hmm. to me, that ride still has some empty open spaces to it. And there are some things that I feel like it's a ride that could use some updating, some maybe plusing, some, you know, bringing it, you know, a little bit further forward from 1964. Uh, (laughs) And this holiday version really just kind of fills it up and adds so many new lights and colors to it. It's beautiful. It's festive. It's celebratory. I just... Man, it's really, really well done, and I would be fine if they kept it that way all year. I'm not a huge fan of the going back and forth between Jingle Bells and It's a Small World and a couple other songs, you know, because I do love the original Richard Sherman and Robert Sherman composition. Um, But visually, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Love every second of it. Yeah, especially the show that they do outside. Yeah, oh, the facade, the presentation. Yeah, Yeah. don't even get me started on that. We, I could stand there and just stare at that for an hour. It's, it's the best. Welcome to the club. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I like they sold me on the magic so hard this year. Like I just, (laughs) I fell for it all, hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) Sounds like Gavin's gonna get a signature plus pass next year. I don't know, because I've heard about the crowds that week of Christmas and New Year's, and I don't yeah. think it's worth it for an extra, yeah. what, two or three hundred bucks? I don't think it's worth it. I think that's why the four of us decided not to do it, right? Yeah. Because the crowds were just so intense. Yeah. When we talked about it, having to purchase four passes for an additional three hundred bucks, yeah. we didn't see ourselves going. And the, the couple times that we did when it was still available, the crowds were just insane. Yeah. It, it just, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, you get a full seven weeks of the holiday season, you know. So if you yeah. can't get enough with an annual pass in seven weeks, then you're not doing Disney right. 
That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all of a sudden, he moves from OKC, and all of a sudden, he's like this. Right? He's a pro now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Any traditions for you, Hazen? Uh, well, my traditions, uh, I think it was similar to to yours, where uh, the fireworks show. You know, the fireworks show is, is certainly something that I feel like I need to watch every year because of all the music in the parks and all of the fireworks shows, Believe in Holiday Magic, man, tugs at my heartstrings like you would not believe. Like, I become a sobbing mess <laughs> watching that fireworks show. Like, the feels Aww. kick me in the face and every portion of my body. And I just, like, are I'm overcome with this with this joy that I just, I can't replicate in any other instance, you know, like there's all these moments of joy that I think you, you, you have in your life, right? There was like the moment that I, I saw my wife for the first time as my wife when we got married. Then there was the moment that I held each of my kids after that they were born. And then there's believe in holiday magic. Dang. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> wow. so that is how high I hold this fireworks show wow. in regard. It is so powerful for me. I, I can listen. Like, if I start thinking about the song right now, I'm just going to get all teary-eyed. because so, then I'll cry. Is, I know. So I'm going to try not to, but... That is certainly one of the things that, like, every year I just have to try to watch at least once. You know, if I could see it once per season, then I'm okay. Like, all is good in the world. There have been times where I have not been able to go at all to the parks during the holiday season because our schedule just got crazy hectic with work. And that year feels incomplete to me. Like, I'm not joking. That year feels incomplete to me. So that is certainly one thing that... I, I have to do for some time. I really tried pushing getting the fresh candy canes in the park because they are delicious. <laughs> if you've never had a fresh pulled candy cane from Disneyland, it is worth going early to get that wristband and eating that piece of candy. It is. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's super soft. Um, like it's crunchy, but it's soft enough that it's not going to break your teeth. Uh, the peppermint is just right. It's not overpowering. It's not crazy weak like those 99-cent store candy canes that you buy. Watching the candy makers make this candy fresh in front of you and pulling the peppermint is an amazing experience. Yeah. And if you ever have the opportunity to grab one of those wristbands to get those candy canes, I would say go for it. I think they they range for about twenty dollars uh, per candy 20? cane. I thought they were fifteen. It's, it's like fifteen or twenty bucks or something, but it's a huge piece of candy cane. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty substantial what you end up getting uh, for that price. And it alternates between Disneyland and California Adventure, day by Correct. day, right? Yeah, so oh. they have a schedule. We didn't get a chance to post it uh, this year, and I think it might be too late. They might be in the final stages. Mm -hmm. uh, but next year, I'll make sure that we end up posting that schedule for you guys because they, they do alternate. Like one day it'll be Disneyland, and it's not every day that they offer it. It's specific days of the week. And so if they offer it four days in one week, two days will be a California Adventure, two days will be at Disneyland, for instance. So, you know, we'll make sure to post that going forward. But... 
I mean, other other stuff is, you know, just kind of icing on the cake, I think. Going to It's a Small World and seeing some of the other offerings that they have. Uh, seeing Santa Claus, you know, I think at, at California Adventure is a highlight for our kids. You know, going into the trail and seeing Santa Claus is pretty big for them. But as far as I'm concerned, I think just the fireworks show and as many times as I can try to get that hand-pulled candy cane, man, because it is delightful. The only other thing that I've always wanted to do that I feel like could be a part of Christmas tradition, and I've just never been able to stand in line long enough, or I've never gotten an invite from anybody, <clears throat> and, and if anybody wants to ever invite me, <laughs> uh, it's the Candlelight Processional. Yes, I've always the wanted to see Star-Lord in a Christmas show. Who wouldn't? <laughs> 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 the Candlelight Processional is so rich in Disney history, and it's such an amazing piece of Americana that is a tradition that ranges all the way back to, I think, the second year of the park opening, second or third year of after the park opened. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the Candlelight Processional in the next episode, so if you've never heard about it or if you've ever been curious... Tune in to our next episode next week because we'll be talking about the Candlelight Processional and the history, what it means to uh, Disney and how it got started. But yeah, that is the other thing that I feel like if it was part of my Christmas tradition, I'd be so for it. <laughs> well, now we want to hear your traditions. So you've heard all of ours. If you have any outside of the parks, especially because you can't make it either to Disneyland or Walt Disney World during the holidays because you just live too far, uh, let us know how you celebrate Disney outside of the parks. And if you do have park traditions, we'd love to hear those as well. We always love discovering new things that we can do, like this gingerbread thing. I didn't even know it was a thing till you mentioned it, Melissa. So I'm... I, I feel like that would be something cool that the boys would enjoy doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, make sure to leave us a comment over at podcasters.com slash 234. You can also join the conversation over on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. We are at Podcasters. Remember, that's P-O-D-K-E-T, not K-A-T, K-E-T-E-E-R-S. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what other people do to celebrate Disney or the holidays, Disney style. You know, maybe maybe add a little ho-ho-ho to that Dole Whip somehow, a little Santa hat. <laughs> I don't know. Peppermint or something. I don't know. Ugh. Pineapple and peppermint? peppermint? How do you think pineapple? that would go? Ugh. Crazy. Not so much. All right, well, before we wrap up the episode, uh, we do want to remind you that as you guys are thinking about doing your holiday shopping this year, if you do any of that shopping on Amazon, make sure you start that journey over on podcasters.com slash Amazon before making your purchase. On that page, you're going to find a huge Amazon button that when you click it, will take you over to Amazon using our special link. And anything that you purchase may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon because we mentioned them on the podcast. And then you went through the trouble of clicking a couple extra times to go through our link. To everyone that's already taken the time to do that, thank you guys very much. We truly appreciate you adding a couple of extra seconds to your day to go through our link before making your purchase. All right, guys. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Cool. Let's go to Disneyland. That's where we're going. Time to go to Disneyland. Maybe get some of that turkey pot pie. There's time. We can all make it. (laughs) Turkey pot pie. It's cold (laughs) enough now. I don't like to eat soup unless it's like super cold, but I think... Soup or the weather? (laughs) I don't like to eat soup unless it's super cold. (laughs) Someone like you said, I don't like eating soup unless it's super cold. (laughs) 
Did I say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just want soup. Maybe I'm just hungry. Maybe that's what it is. Awesome. I like my soup uh, yeah. cold, but if... my butter hot. <laughs> well, that's that's how I live my life. That's how I live my life. Mm, Enjoy that pocket butter. <laughs> All right, guys, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next week, have a magical week, everyone. Bye. Major look. Bye. Happy holidays.